With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Superchargers, headlights, and more with over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. Well, NBA fans, the wait is over. NBA basketball is back and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting part of the NBA, is celebrating an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub. And with DraftKings parlays, everyone's got a shot at even bigger basketball wins. String together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball is more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code MANIX. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for just betting $5. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code MANIX. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensed partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. So if you'd have told me that I'd be sitting here in my studio on a Saturday night, right around 8 o'clock Eastern time, recording a podcast about a competitive fight between Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou, I don't think I would have believed you. In fact... I probably would have thought you were crazy and told you to bet me every nickel that you got because that fight was not going to be competitive. But that's exactly where we are, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about because Tyson Fury just barely edges out a split decision win against Francis Ngannou uh, in a 10-round boxing match on Saturday. This was a fight that was decided by one round 
on one judge's scorecard. So this was quite literally as close as it could get. So we're going to get to the fight itself, but I want to set this whole thing up because it bears repeating how lopsided this fight appeared to be. Tyson Fury, the lineal heavyweight champion, the WBC heavyweight champion, a man who was widely recognized as one of the top 10 pound-for-pound fighters in the world. He was taking on Nganu, who left the UFC in January of 2021 as its heavyweight champion and is considered the heaviest-handed man in the world. Holds the Guinness Book of World Records for the world's hardest punch, but had been off for almost two years and had never been in a boxing match. Fury came into this fight in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, which put up all the money for this fight to take place. Fury came into this fight as high as a 14-to-1 favorite. That is unheard of in championship-level fights. You just don't see it, certainly don't see it in marquee events quite like this. But he came into this fight a big favorite, and Ngannou had almost no expectations placed on him. Nobody believed he was going to be much more than a lamb to the lion that was Tyson Fury. It could not have played out any differently. And I think we knew very early on that this was going to be a different type of crossover fight. For starters, Nganu did not come out fighting with a recklessness that I and others expected him to fight with. Um, part of me expected Nganu to fight like Peter McNeely did with Mike Tyson back in the early 1990s. I, I expected him to come out like a dog let out of his cage and just throwing punches wildly, trying to land that big right hand and knocking Fury out. Could not have been more wrong about that. Francis Ngannou came in with a game plan. Francis Ngannou was not going to come in and just say, I've only got my right hand. That's going to be my big weapon. He came out throwing left hands. He came out peppering Tyson Fury with left-handed power shots. When the third round came around, Tyson Fury hit the deck, not from a big right hand that everyone was expecting, but from a left hook that clipped him just behind the ear. So Francis Ngannou surprised everyone by showing that he was going to be more a boxer than a brawler in this fight, and that he was capable of being more boxer than brawler in this fight. And that's what he was throughout the duration of the, this fight. He fought a tactical fight. If you look at some of the CompuBox numbers, they are really close. Uh, Nganu outlanded Fury in power shots, 37-32, according to CompuBox. Fury had the overall edge, which is what gave him the edge on the judges' scorecard, 71-59 in landed punches. And I think if Francis Ngannou looks back on why this fight went in a different direction, he can probably look to the final two rounds where he landed just six punches over those last two. And in a competitive fight, one round can make all the difference, and Ngannou lost... Uh, largely, I think, because he didn't throw enough punches, didn't land enough punches in those final two rounds. But it, it almost doesn't matter. Like Francis Ngannou showed out in this fight. He's in his late 30s. Again, there were no expectations on him whatsoever. And he came out and gave the lineal heavyweight champion his most competitive fight since Fury's first fight against Deontay Wilder. He was more competitive than Wilder was in at least the second, maybe even the third, and he was certainly more competitive than Dillian White and Derek Chisora, who just got smashed by Tyson Fury in those fights. So Nganu came out and showed out in this fight. I could not have been more impressed with what I saw from Nganu, who trained for three and a half months, 
who was obviously prepared, who had a game plan, stuck to it, and was better conditioned, you know, to go those 10 rounds than I thought he was going to be. Now, Tyson Fury, a lot of thoughts on this. Number one, he was not in the kind of shape I expected from a man who said he had a 12-month training camp. I know Fury's been off for a long time. He has not fought since last December. Fury likes to be active. You look at his career, he likes to be as active as he possibly can when he's an active fighter. Uh, he did not look good. He did not look in great shape. He looked like a guy that had been off for 11 months. You probably knew he had some warning about that at the weigh-in when Fury weighed in, I think, around 10 pounds heavier than he did for his last fight. And he looked like a guy that was heavy. Those jabs that we saw Fury peppering Deontay Wilder with in their three fights, they just weren't there. And those right hands didn't have any power on him. Like, you know, I, not once did I see Francis Ngannou truly in trouble, or truly threatened. Yeah, Fury landed some right hands, but nothing that really bothered Francis Ngannou throughout the course of this fight. So Fury, some of this is on him because this was not the Tyson Fury that we saw against Wilder, against White, against Chisora. This was a lesser version of him. That takes nothing away from what Ngannou did. Don't don't just listen to that part and not listen to this. Francis Ngannou is the story here. This guy uh, was the most impressive crossover fighter ever. You know, Conor McGregor gave Floyd Mayweather a lively nine rounds, but you know, Floyd was never really threatened in that fight. Floyd was kind of playing around, I think, early in that fight. Tyson Fury wasn't playing around. Tyson Fury actually came out in the first round and threw a big haymaker trying to put Ngannou out early on. Part of the reason Tyson wasn't willing to throw right hands was because Ngannou was so threatening with both hands that it made it not worth his while. So all credit to Ngannou for what he did in this fight. Now, let's talk about what this means and where these guys both go moving forward. For Tyson Fury, who is scheduled to face Alexander Usyk on December 23rd, he might want to think about changing that date because, first of all, that's less than two months away. If Tyson Fury fights this way against Alexander Usyk, he's going to lose. Simple as that. Usyk's not in Ganu in terms of punching power, but Usyk is always in great shape. Usyk is a much better boxer, and Usyk comes in with masterful game plans to, get, to beat guys of any size. So if you're Tyson Fury and you just fought like this, maybe you go back to the drawing board a little bit and say, you know what? I need another lengthy training camp, more work with Sugar Hill, my trainer, uh, maybe get my focus back. I need a little bit more before I take on Alexander Usyk. I don't think there's a lot of pressure to fight on December 23rd. I think that's just kind of the working date at the moment. But if I'm Fury, I got to think long and hard about you know what I do uh, with this Usyk fight because you've got to be a better version of the fighter we saw in the ring uh, on Saturday. Now, for Ngannou, he can do whatever he wants. I mean, we, we know that Francis Ngannou has a deal waiting for him with the PFL. That is the league that Jake Paul has gotten behind. Uh, it's a lucrative deal. It's going to allow him to do a whole bunch of different things, make a lot of money on pay-per-view. And certainly, Ngannou is probably going to be a part of him, a big part of him, that wants to pick up where he left off in the UFC, to challenge a top heavyweight, make a boatload of money, reestablish himself as the top big man in mixed martial arts. But... There's really no reason to believe that Ngannou can't be at least competitive with some of the other big fighters or top fighters in the heavyweight division. If Ngannou wanted to fight Anthony Joshua, what would you make of that fight? I mean, Tyson Fury got dropped by Ngannou. No reason to believe Joshua couldn't get dropped by him as well. Uh, what if he wants to fight Deontay Wilder? That's another big fight. Yeah, 
Wilder is more heavy-handed than Fury, but he's also been knocked down. He's been knocked out. You know, there's an opening there for Ngannou to to win a fight like that. So Ngannou right now has a whole host of options. I'm sure there'll be people in boxing that want to keep him in boxing for at least one more fight. Obviously, PFL is going to want to get him back in the cage as soon as humanly possible. But Ngannou, despite the loss, was the big winner in this event. He was tremendous from start to finish and deserves a lot of credit uh, for that. The other takeaway I had from this fight is that this now reopens the door, wide open, it reopens the door uh, for more crossover events. I wondered coming in if this was going to be kind of the death knell for crossover type fights because they really haven't been very good. You know, Mayweather-McGregor was fun for a while, but it wasn't competitive. We have seen all these MMA fighters from, you know, Tyron Woodley to Ben Askren to Anderson Silva to Nate Diaz get beat, not by traditional boxers, but by Jake Paul. You know, Dylan Dennis embarrassed himself in his fight with Logan Paul. He's not a UFC fighter, but he's a mixed martial artist and he looked horrible in that fight. So I kind of wondered if Ngannou looked bad in this fight, it might stop the flow of them. There might be a lot less interest in those types of fights. So uh, now, <laughs> now I think we're going to get a lot more. That may mean Ngannou against another of the top heavyweights. That may mean someone like Sean O'Malley gets his wish and gets to fight Gervonta Davis. That may mean Conor McGregor gets his wish and gets to fight Canelo Alvarez. Now, I don't think either one of those fights would be competitive, but I do think there'll be an appetite for it because of what we saw with Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou fought a heavy-handed, elite boxing heavyweight and nearly beat him. He nearly beat him. And I think that's going to open the door for other guys to say, look, I can be competitive. I can be as competitive as Francis just sign me up for that type of fight. And I think we'll see a lot more interest in these types of fights moving forward. So uh, if you were hoping for the end of crossover boxing, it's not happening. And you have France Ngannou to thank for it. So what a performance by Ngannou. And maybe a message to Tyson Fury that he, he's got to be better. You know, he's, he's 35 years old, uh, still considered the top heavyweight in all of boxing, rightfully so. So still considered one of the top 10 pound-for-pound pound guys in boxing, and rightfully so, but that was the worst I've seen Fury look since his comeback, when he came back from when he was weighing north of 400 pounds and had to get back into shape and fought guys like Tom Schwartz and you know, Sefer Seferi, you know, all the guys on his resume that aren't very good. Um, that was as bad as he's looked in a long time, and he's going to have to get sharper if he wants to become the undisputed heavyweight champion and beat a guy like Alexander Usyk. So, big event over in Saudi Arabia, and I think there'll be more big events in Saudi and elsewhere uh, for years to come. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast! Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.